Well, if you ever feel that there's、um, something missing in your life, that certain something might very well be a sense of meaning or purpose. We all have the tendency to want to leave a legacy. Some people choose to be famous, rich, and/or powerful, but often those things are never enough. What if helping others became that legacy for you? Welcome to People Who Perform, the Real Estate Careers Podcast. Each episode will bring you conversations from business leaders and up-and-coming stars in the commercial real estate industry in Canada. Our guests will share their unique career journeys, passions, and advice on what it takes to be successful in this industry. This podcast is brought to you by Highview Partners, connecting people who perform in Canadian real estate. I'm your host Richard Costello, and I'm pleased to introduce Kelly Lin. Kelly is a senior development manager working for Terra Housing, a social-purpose real estate development consultancy based in Vancouver. Prior to joining Terra in 2017, Kelly worked as an architect and real estate developer in New York City. Kelly has extensive experience with non-profit organizations, and in 2014 started her own organization to empower women to get active outside. Kelly graduated from the Stern Business School of New York University with an MBA and a Master's in Real Estate Finance and Investment. She also holds an Architecture degree from the University of Manitoba and a Psychology degree from the University of California, Berkeley. Kelly, a big welcome to you, and thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Richard, for having me. Are、oh, you very welcome? So, Kelly, as our regular listeners will hopefully know, one of our goals of this podcast is to showcase the different career paths available in the real estate industry. And so, it's it's great to have you join us. You're our first guest to work in the nonprofit housing sector. So, most big cities in the West struggle with the issue of affordable housing, and Vancouver is no exception. It's a complicated situation, and I make no claims to being an authority on this. Um, and for most people living here, or for anyone visiting the city, it's really shocking when you see city parks covered in tents and makeshift shelters, just blocks away from like million-dollar apartments and trendy heritage homes. The homeless crisis is really complex、um, to unpack, and, and access to affordable housing is surely a key factor in the conversation. In fact, a recent study from A Canadian think tank estimates that Vancouver needs 10,000 affordable housing units a year to address the backlog, and that the problem is not the lack of construction activity, but more a mismatch of what's being built and what's needed. With the emphasis over recent years being condominiums, this article also mentions that about four to five percent of housing in Metro Vancouver is some form of public housing, compared to 20 to 25 percent in some cities in in Europe. So the city of Vancouver's housing strategy is to build seventy-two thousand new homes in the next ten years, with fifty percent to serve households earning less than eighty thousand dollars. So, I guess Kelly, what do you think are the main reasons behind why we seem to be in this catch-up mode of delivering more affordable housing right now? Well, Richard,、uh, just like you said, this is rather a complex question, and just like you said, I'm by no means an expert on housing. And I really don't want to overly、um, simplify the answer as well. But from the data and studies I've seen, it's a supply and demand issue. We have a situation where essentially more people are competing for a limited number of units, which naturally has caused rental rates to rise sharply over the past five to ten years. 
The latest figures from CMSC show the vacancy rate in purpose-built rental did increase last year from 1.1% to 2.6%, and the rate of rent increase slowed to 2%. Do you think that's um, like that change is a is a pandemic response? For sure, this is partly down to pandemic impact on jobs, immigration. Students decide to stay home, but also new rental housing supply has been added to the market by effort of、uh, provincial and federal government.、Um, despite the market loosening, new rental affordable data shows that significant violence continues. This is nothing new, but the challenge for lower income renters continue. And as far as the development of truly affordable rental、uh, units go, private developers have different priority and therefore not in a position to develop affordable rental housing. So the responsibility then has fallen to nonprofit societies, which,、uh, with the help of funding from provincial, federal, and private donors. So I guess I should have maybe started by asking asking you what is considered affordable housing. In Canada, housing is defined as affordable if a household spends no more than thirty percent of the income before tax for shelter. I guess thinking about the housing rental housing options in Vancouver, we we have a lot of older apartment buildings, and redevelopment is a is a big challenge for for many reasons. Obviously, you, know, you said you're not an expert、um, on this, but what what do you know of the history behind Vancouver's housing stock? Richard, you are absolutely right about most of Vancouver rental apartments buildings were built before,、um, built decades decades ago. In fact, I think only twenty two percent of rental units were built after nineteen nineties. We have to look back to the 1940s and 50s after the Second World War. There were federal programs and funding initiatives introduced to encourage construction of rental units to help the boom in new families development delayed by the war. Other incentives were introduced in the mid-70s to meet the demand from baby boomers who left home to establish their own families. In fact, 61% of rental stock we have today was constructed between 70s to 90s. Unfortunately, in the 90s, the federal government cut the incentive for developers to build rental housing, and it became more attractive to develop condos, which really became the name of the game for the next 30 years. There are more and more government incentives to encourage rental housing development. But the challenges is still in providing the affordable units as the poor gets poorer in the environment we are in. For anyone unfamiliar, if we switch gears a little bit here, would you mind explaining what is Terra Housing? Yeah, sure. Terra Housing it's one of the oldest and the most established social purpose development consulting companies found in British Columbia. So. Um, the company was founded in 1982 and continued by my bosses, Jimbo Day, who was the spearhead of social housing reform in the federal and provincial governments. Part started Terra Housing. Stuart Thomas, who had worked in social housing and community development for many many years, and of course Simon Davy, who has extensive knowledge in social housing construction and real estate development. As mentioned. 
the earlier, nonprofit society had been left to fill the gap in affordable housing. But many of them lack of the real estate knowledge and expertise to navigate in this really complicated government process. So this is where Terra Housing comes in. We basically want to ensure the interest of the society is protected through the entire life cycle of non-market real estate development. In doing my research, I see on Terra's website that there are different divisions within the company, which I guess, as you mentioned, play their part at the various stages of the of the process. Right. Yeah. So um, it's kind of interesting to explain people what Terra is. But um, so basically Terra's goal is to make sure nonprofit societies get all the service they need throughout the life cycle of their real estate. And so under Terra group of companies, we have dedicated teams specialized in all areas from development management, which is my team at Terra Housing, and also Luma Development Management, which service indigenous-focused projects throughout the country. And there's asset and property management. We also have a group called Terra Lumina Life Lease, which develop life lease housing for seniors and groups with special interests. Last but not least, uh, we have a special project division that does partnership between private and public. Kelly, so you yourself have a very diverse real estate background. You've worked in architecture, development, sales and marketing in the past. And from getting to know you on our calls prior to recording today, I know that you grew up in Toronto and you've lived in California, Winnipeg and New York. Uh, I think we need a whole episode to go through your life before Terra. But would you mind maybe giving us a brief overview of your career so far? Yeah, sure. Um, so after I graduated from architecture school in Winnipeg, I made my move to New York and start working in an, in an international architecture firm where I got a chance to work on some complicated and very, very interesting projects such as hospital design and planning over the world. I really, really enjoyed design world, but um, a family member of mine became really ill and I was determined to try and help out financially. So architecture was great, but at that stage of my life, it just didn't pay the best. So I decided to get into commercial brokerage and development. I did relatively well in real estate development and brokerage in New York City and learned a lot. But ultimately, the environment at that point was not meant for the state of mind. It was at that time I made the decision to continue my professional development. I want to fill in the gap on the finance side. And so I enrolled in Master in Real Estate Finance Investment, as well as the MBA program at New York University. And I mentioned in your bio, but it was around this time that you started a, a nonprofit yourself around getting women active outside. What can you, what can you tell us about that? Yeah, um, it's, it's slightly random, but uh, when I wasn't studying, I did a lot of surfing. For many of you guys, maybe you heard of it, it's just basically so searching in a way. Not only was really good for my physical and mental health, I also got to see life in very different lights from my then rather sheltered environment. I met many, many inspiring and passionate women surfing. Some of them were able to enjoy their life through outdoor sports and had serious careers. It was just really, really inspiring. It was through this network and inspiration 
by these women, I started an online community to empower women to be independent by surfing and other outdoor activities. Through this international women-focused group and much of traveling to different resort towns, I also started my own branding and strategy consulting business to help resort communities and business to understand how to grow sustainably by utilizing local resources with growth of foreign monies and tourism. The nonprofit and my own business picked up a scene, and I ended up doing a lot of traveling and connect with lots of people, which was really fun and gave me very, very different perspective in life. Mm. So how, how did you go from traveling the world to social purpose real estate? And I guess, how did the move to Vancouver come about in 2017? Well, Again, my life in, I guess my life um, working in, I guess, so-called nonprofit and also my own business were really, really fun. But I also ultimately realized I really love real estate, um, specifically real estate development. So because I really miss the complexity of real estate. When I decided to um, get back to the real estate world, I set myself a few goals. One is I want to find a place where I can utilize all my knowledge. The work I had to be, um, the work had to be complicated enough to keep my interest. I want to work with caring people and to give back to the communities. Lastly, I also really wanted flexible hours. So the job at Terra Housing came up, uh, which met all my requirements. So that's why I moved back to Canada to work as a development consultant. To what extent do you consider a company's values when making a career decision or choosing a business partner? The values that we embody at Highview Partners are integral to everything that we do. Be the best. Do what's right. Force for good. And enjoy the journey. Guide every step of our process and influence our actions and behaviors. This podcast series was inspired by the value, enjoy the journey. This means bringing people together building meaningful relationships within our industry, and giving back to the communities that we care deeply about. For more information, please visit us at highviewpartners.ca. So to understand what you do as a development manager with Terra, is is there a project that you could maybe touch on to help explain what it is that you, you do? Absolutely, uh, many many projects. But I will use one of my uh, one of my beloved client as an example. So, Lanley Lions Housing Society provide housing for seniors and um, people with disabilities for the, for the last forty years. They have six buildings in the heart of downtown Lanley, mostly constructed in the seventies and eighties, and one assisted living building which was added in two thousand seven. And about five years ago, we did a detailed asset man- management study of the 5.5 anchor site. We conclude that all six of the older buildings were not suitable for renovation and needed for redevelopment. So we put together a consultant team, including a highly qualified architecture firm and a construction management company to measure the existing design and construction issues and risks, such as soil instability. We did a full cash flow and financial viability study of the society and advised funding options for the extensive plan. We concluded that lightweight construction such as CLT 
and or steel will be the only viable construction method. And with a proper facing plan, all six of building can be developed sequentially within 10 years. We source funded from BC Housing Community Housing Fund, CMACC Fund, and Ben City Foundation Community Fund, and we're all successful in receiving approvals from um, these organizations. We also perform extensive community engagement to prevent any potential pushback from any special um, interest groups. The plant is to almost double the number of units to close to 1,000 units over the next 10 years, and all being well we will see the first high-rise mass timber rental development for non-market rentals arrive in Lanley very soon. Nice. Oh, thank you for that example. That's um, really helpful to kind of understand how comprehensive the partnership is that you would have with these groups. So thanks for that. Um, Kelly, what do you think it takes to be a successful development manager? Wow, that's uh, Richard, that's a really good question. Um, well, I would say it would take definitely certain personality types, uh, knowledge in real estate, and the drive to help people. Well, it is not easy to develop her because you really need to be able to talk to all walks of life to be successful. Development consultants need to be able to listen, communicate, and connect with people. Aside from knowledge in real estate, you also got to love solve puzzles. Anyone can develop a straight up property, but most um, property development is really simple. You need to be able to demonstrate the passion and drive to simplify complex situations and problems. And Kelly, how, how do you think your previous experience has helped you in your role so far? Well, being as an architect absolutely helps since I already understand the real estate development process. My experience in commercial sales being my own boss and branding and traveling all over the world allow me to learn how to talk to people as a survival instinct. Lastly, aside from my working experience, my family has taught me two, well, more than two things, but two really important things um, in life. One of them is to be curious in life, as my dad loved to challenge us kids to solve problems for ourselves. And secondly, my family always has the long tradition of helping others. My mom always wanted us to contribute back to society as we are the lucky ones who really don't need to worry about having shelters and meals. My previous experience have shaped who I am today. And really luckily, I have found my place in the industry. From your experience, like what are the main differences being a development manager in the nonprofit versus the private sector? I would say they are rather similar. Um, both sectors have the same development process from feasibility studies, acquisition, design, construction to rent up. But affordable housing, it's a um, bit complicated as there are extra layers we have to go through at all stages. I'm going to give you an example. In the funding stage, there are multiple levels of application to apply for grants, contributions, lo and loans. Uh, along with the, this, uh, there are strict guidelines and reporting system that we need to go through with level of government. And there is no guarantee we can receive funding very often until construction contracts signed or sometimes even later right. stages. Also, we have to always keep in mind that our projects are providing a strong return from a commu community interest perspective. And it's our duty to protect the societies and ensure they are making the best decision based on their mission. 
Okay. And what would you say to anyone considering making the switch from, from the private sector to social purpose real estate? Well, if you ever feel that there's um, something missing in your life, that certain something might very well be a sense of meaning or purpose. We all have the tendency to want to leave a legacy. Some people choose to be famous, rich, and or powerful, but often those things are never enough. What if helping others became that legacy for you? So for me, I mean, if you love fun ch challenges, and want your career to be meaningful and surrounded by great people, I believe social purpose uh, real estate will be the answer to your missing part. I know it works for me and hopefully will work for you. Where do you see your career going from here then, Kelly? Like, What are your goals inside of your work? Um, I am a firm believer of public and private partnership for social costs. And my hope is that I can continue to assist in realization of this direction. Currently, there are several public and private partnerships happening with the help of federal and provincial stimulus. However, there are more creative ways that can encourage non-market development to be even more accessible with or without the aid of government, such as non-market real estate investment trust, aka RIT. These RITs provide reasonable returns to everyday investors while maintaining a social mission to support affordable housing. They have been around for a while, especially in the States. Since COVID, I believe the social housing RITs actually did better than any other asset classes. I think we have a great opportunity to deliver more affordable units in Canada by using real estate investment trusts or other similar mechanisms um, basically to promote public and private partnership. It will be a win-win situation for all. And that's something I have started looking into. Nice. And I guess outside of, outside of work, I know you love to travel and when COVID-19 is no longer a concern, what adventures are you, are you cooking up? Well, well, currently because of COVID, I just do my typical um, backcountry, skiing, climbing, uh, mountaineering, cycling, and of course, surfing. Um, I was actually supposed to go on to this international rally this year. It's called Mongol Rally. Um, you Basically, it's you and your team would take an old beat-up car that's less than one liter and rally from France to Mongolia to raise money for a charity of your choice. Within this two months, you and your team will travel through, I would say probably about 53 countries in different terrains and different conditions to solve all kinds of issues that you, your old card and um, the local culture that you, you're passing through will bring to you. Not only this is a great opportunity to go through countries, meaning traveling, that we typically would never go through, such, uh, such as Kazakhstan, and a great test for your relationship with you and your team, pretty much your friends, at a very stressful situation. So basically, no one in their right mind will want to go. However, it could also be a most rewarding trip that anyone can ever take. And that's one reason why I am, I am very, very um, excited about this trip. But unfortunately, because of COVID, it has been postponed. And luckily for my boss, um, since I got five projects co uh, starting construction this year. 
A really different different challenge. So hopefully you get to do that sooner sooner than later. But uh, Kelly, thank you very much for your for your time. It's been great to hear about you know how nonprofit real estate development works from from a consultancy perspective. So thanks for thanks for sharing. Well, thank you, Richard, so much for having me. Uh, has been a great time chatting with you. Thank you for listening to People Who Perform, the Real Estate Careers podcast brought to you by Highview Partners, a talent search and recruitment firm focused exclusively on Canadian real estate. If your real estate team is looking to find the best next hire, or if you're ready to make the best next move in your career, then reach out to Highview Partners today. Follow us on LinkedIn and visit us at highviewpartners.ca.